0: What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhood Podcast. My name is James Kay. With me on the mic, as always, is your co-host, Chris Pennant. Chris, how are we doing today, man? A lot of uh, Sky action
1: lately. On a lot of Sky action. Uh, two good games over the weekend, Friday and Sunday. I got to be in the building on Sunday afternoon and watch a good bit of the game on Friday night. Had some marquee troubles, as we kind of expected. But, hey, I got to say, first and foremost, it's great to be doing this show as a 34-year-old officially. So uh had some birthday celebration. Thank you to you and to Annie and Annie's friend, Jalissa, for coming out after the game to celebrate with me. That was great. I wanted to make sure I, I talked about that. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, man. It was so fun that we got a chance to do that. And
0: you were gifted a WNBA game on your birthday, which is kind of nice. You know, They got a chance to celebrate that. And yeah, it was so fun that we got a chance to go out after the game. Um, Shout out to fat poor, but (laughs) Chris, (laughs) we got to talk about these last two games. You know, the sky improved to seven and three on the season. They're now third in the standings. And on Friday, they beat the Atlanta dream 73 to 65. They almost blew a 20 point lead, but came up clutch in the last two minutes of the game to, win on the road in atlanta and then yesterday on your birthday they they won against the the mystics 91 82 outscored washington by nine points in the third quarter and they remain undefeated in the commissioner's cup if you care about that um so (laughs) chris over these last two games what's impressed you the most about the sky
1: uh their synchronicity i I know i mentioned that on twitter as i was doing the quotes and then zach draves uh, asked, said the same word in a question that he asked at the press conference yesterday, but it's true. The side the Sky have, have improved in their synchronicity on offense and defense, especially on defense. Some of that is due to, I think, sheer talent, even though Emma Mieseman uh, would not say that just because she said yesterday it's about uh, the team working together as a unit. Uh, she said listening to what Coach James Wade uh, has to say, but she provided such a spark on defense for them, both in the Atlanta game and yesterday in the game against the Mystics, breaking up, destroying a lot of pick-and-roll opportunities. Uh, in the same way that some teams have been going against the sky when they tried to make that jump pass down to the roller, she just stood up in the way, knocked the ball loose, or just took it out of the air. So I think defensively, they're working incredibly well, whether they're switch, doing a straight switch, uh, when Rebecca Gardner is in the game guarding the ball, or whether they're doing kind of a delayed switch and recover uh, when Candice is usually in. Uh, they look really fantastic. And then yesterday they had a few possessions that were incredibly crisp in terms of ball movement, getting the ball to an open shooter, and having that shooter have the confidence to get, a, to get the ball up, even if they didn't knock down the shot. So what James Wade and what the rest of the team had talked about is coming to fruition now people look like they're more in sync.
0: Absolutely. And she's someone like Emma Mieseman, I think we talked a little bit bit about it last week. She's just someone that has to be mentioned in the Defensive Player of the Year award race right now. I know it's too early, honestly, to be talking about awards for only 10 games into a 36-game slate, but it is something to keep on everybody's radar because – what she had five steals yesterday. And like you talked about, she's someone that fits in right with this defensive scheme. That's just super aggressive with hedging. And it's really hard to to see over Emma's length, honestly. And (laughs) even in the post, according to synergy, she's what she ranks in the 70th percentile and opponents are only scoring 0.882 points per game against post-ups against her. Um, So she's someone that's already, she's just from the eye tests you see how she's really able to stop opponents from getting anything going inside. You see them passing out back out to the perimeter anytime they're one-on-one with her in the post. And she's looked incredible. James Wade, so I asked him about like the deflection stats. And before last game, he told me that Emma led the team in deflections, which I thought was kind of interesting. And She's just super important to this team right now. And I think even beyond just the defensive contributions, Chris, yesterday we saw her really put it all together offensively as well. I mean, did you think that was her best offensive game of the season?
1: Oh, without a doubt. Um, she was aggressive from the get-go. I missed most of, the, most of the first quarter in transit. But even when I came in at about three minutes left in the first quarter, the second quarter, the rest of the game, it wasn't just that she was looking for her shot. She was comfortable when she got the ball down in the post. Or even when she got it down on the perimeter. Uh, I want to make sure here she didn't have a three-point shot. I think she had a couple uh, looks that she took in the Atlanta game. Uh, but she looked like she was a threat to shoot, which made the defense have to rotate, which is going to open up lanes for what the guy really want to do, which is get those cuts down to the basket into the restricted area. So I, I thought Emma looked supremely comfortable offensively. She was six for seven I, I don't think she missed the field goal attempt until the fourth quarter. Uh, it was it was her best defensive game to me by far. I completely agree, and I honestly
0: felt that in that dream game, I was starting to worry a little bit about the sky's offense. In again, keeping in mind it was only nine games in after the game, but it really did look stagnant at times. And against the dream, what they blew, they started the game off twenty four to four you know and it just seemed like it was going to be one of those runaway games Atlanta wasn't really running a lot of set plays you know like what they've been doing kind of all season just freelancing with Ryan Howard just making insane amount of threes I think she's shooting over 40% from three this year and Erica Wheeler I mean she's someone that can score in isolation and has the athleticism to really do a lot of things for you in the half court and I just thought okay if they're not really going to have really coherent offense against this sky team that has the best defensive rating or has like the second best or third best defensive rating in the W. I think it is Um, the second best defensive rating in the league right now. I just didn't think they were going to come back in that game and they were able to. So I was a little bit worried about this guy's offense coming off that performance, but yesterday they finally, like the sky finally overcame their shooting woes and they shot over 40% from beyond the arc. Allie Quigley looked a little bit more comfortable out there and th- the shot just started to fall. Honestly, with the way the sky were struggling, you kind of felt like at a certain point they were just kind of, kind of figure it out. Um, they still have to string together more games like this, but mm-hmm. do you think the guy's shooting struggles are over for now? Or is that something that was even on your radar heading into this game?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it has and it still is. Uh, Dana Evans is the leading three-point shooter for the team, which is unexpected on the team with Courtney, Allie, and, and even Candace. Candace is, I think, the, the closest person to Dana in terms of shooting from distance and making them. Uh, but it was still there, but there were good signs yesterday. Uh, James Wade kind of demurred when I asked if Allie was being more selective but she only took five shots and she made three of them. And three of those five were from beyond the arc and she made two of those. And one of those was a contested three coming off of the screen, which was the alley Quigley, just the quick release that we are, are so used to. And she took that shot without hesitation, made it. So I think he is right in the fact that she had been taking good shots and just missing them. But for the, the fact that she saw some go in, which is what every basketball player who was a jump shooter will tell you, just seeing the ball go in and that, really, really helps. She had to work for her points against Las Vegas, and that's a testament to her being a veteran. But when you get Allie in the situations where she's most comfortable coming off of screens, uh, even late in the shot clock, getting the ball at the elbow and, and creating a jump shot for herself there, that's when the Sky's offense would start to click. I still think it's it's somewhat of a concern because there's shots that they're taking that they're not, miss- that they're not necessarily making. Uh, Courtney Vandersloot's coming out of her early season doldrums and that with that in that regard as well. I think we have some time to go, but what I, I really like in regardless of shooting is that every player on the team, save for Lee Yaru, had an assist in yesterday's game against Washington. They struggled a bit against Atlanta, it's definitely in those middle two quarters, but yesterday pretty much everything was working. And not only did they were they able to spread the ball around? They were getting out on the fast break a ton. Even in that late game where uh, James Wade put the bench in with, I think, about 340 to go, Rebecca Gardner got steals off of inbounds plays. Uh, they were able to hit ahead with Gardner a couple of times to close the game out, and then, of course, Kalia Copper was just out in space, and teams were able to throw the Tyree Hill <laughs> hit-ahead pass to her. We'll call it the Kalia Copper because you know if if there's a long rebound, it's just it really is just kind of throw the ball. Calls down there somewhere, she'll she'll get it.
0: I mean, she was second in the league last year in fast break points per game, and we've already seen the Sky's offense change so much with her back in it. And the Sky over the last four games are averaging 14 fast break points per game, which was second in the WNBA, and. They continue to pound the paint, man. I think that's also something that we haven't really talked about as much is just how this team is really focusing on taking the most efficient shot in basketball, which is right in the paint in the restricted area. Like you just kind of, they are averaging forty-one points in the paint per game um, in the league right now, and that's second in the league right now. So they're really taking care of business over there. Azra Stevens is really, I felt like she's even improved in that area of the court someone that's just been super efficient
1: yeah and Z was a little uh, humble not humbled hobbled yesterday uh she you could tell that there was extra protection on her I think her it was like the left lower part of her leg and her right knee and so she wasn't banging around as much as she usually did and she got a little bit of extra time on the bench but she's been really good uh all year long I think with getting her shot when she gets the ball down in the paint as well as uh, second-chance points off of offensive rebounds. And then when she had the opportunity, we saw her again hit that corner three, step up and take that corner three. So I I think that as long as she's doing well, I mean, they can sub in for her. Ruthie Hebert looked great again yesterday. Uh, But Z, I think, has really developed her touch down in the paint, um, just getting the short jump shot either inside the paint or just outside of it she's going to be an important
0: part of this team, honestly. Like I know that she moved out of the starting lineup, but you can tell how involved she is anytime she steps on the court and they, they love going to her and she's been way more aggressive this this year than she has in the past, at least for with the sky. So that's something to keep in mind as we move forward. But do you feel like the mystics are a better team in the sky right now? or Like, which team do you think is better? I should say the sky or the mystics after seeing that last game.
1: Well they're gonna have two games uh, talking about this upcoming game in Washington where they've played two out of these three games without Elena Della Dunn. Yeah. But even so, the game that they played with EdD, the Sky won that one by nine. I, so I don't think so. And that was a game where the sky have not were not as in sync uh, with their with their offense as they are now, even though Emma had another solid game against them. Candace Parker had her triple double. And the bench was, was putting up like Z had a really good game along with Rebecca Gardner that night. Uh, So I, I, I can't say, I I cannot say that Washington is a better team than Chicago right now, just because I think the, the stats have borne that out. There are a lot of things that they do well. I think if there's anybody that has a bench that can contend with the sky, it's Washington with, what, with the way that Rui Machita plays the, the position, the point guard, um, Elizabeth Williams coming off the bench, any team would want to have that. And Shatori Walker-Kimbrough I know is a vet, but I've loved her game since I started covering the league. She just is a harassment on defense. She's long enough to be able to frustrate players, and she can hit a shot when needed too. So I think that Washington's bench could contend with this guy, but – um, offensively, with their starting unit, with their with their rotations, with what's available to them right now, I don't think that uh, they're better than Chicago at all. If this was still in a conference alignment, I think the sky would be ahead of them. You know, we would be talking about them getting the number one seed in the conference over, you know, Washington, probably over, well, I guess Connecticut would be in the mix, but those would be the two teams out of the East that I'd say are, are gunning for the top spot. Uh, one thing I, I do want to point out As I was looking back, we're talking about offense, but uh, the defensive synchronicity again. The Sky, more than ever before, are playing defense without foul. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since the game against Las Vegas, who is a team that lives off getting to the free throw line, not not singularly anymore, but they want to get to the foul line and get those uncontested points, I think their free throw rate in that game was 20%. The Sky have allowed less than a 10% of free throws per field goal attempt since that loss. And Washington had two foul shots, two foul shots until the fourth quarter when the bench came in and there was some, you know, kind of bumpy plays. Uh, Against uh, Atlanta, I think Atlanta had eight free throws in that game. And even in the game before that, uh, uh, in their win against, I believe it was Washington, the Mystics only shot 11 times. Um, and, uh, sorry Phoenix Phoenix didn't get to the foul line either the way that the Sky are able to play defense without allowing foul shots is frustrating to teams where, where we are in press row, you can hear it from the bench you can hear Becky Hammond talking about it they're grabbing my shoe they're grabbing rollers coming off the screens uh, Natasha Cloud was beside herself yesterday like they can't it was like breaking bad she was like they can't get away with that she can't keep getting away with that and I think she was talking about some Courtney Vanderson coming through screens. Whatever the case, uh, what whether they're whether they're hitting hard on the on the roller mm-hmm. or if it's just the way that they're playing Emma Masaman down low as Ray Stevens coming with help with the way Re- Rebecca Gardner is just Rebecca Gardner, without even really making moves, blew up a couple of plays that they were trying that the mystics were trying to set up. And you could see, the point guard have to shift the clock winding down and they just have to keep pounding the dribble at the top of the key. So I know we've talked about offense and it's coming together and we we did mention the defense earlier, but the fact that they're able to keep these uncontested foul shots out of play, that's really what's enabled this, this streak that they're on. They've won five of their last six and that's a big part of it. I think when you swap
0: out Steph Dolson for Emma Mieserman, that that you're probably going to commit less fouls. Same thing with swapping Re- Re- Rebecca Gardner with Diamond a little bit, even though Rebecca has had, she has fouled a decent amount in her first few games, but from an IQ mm-hmm. standpoint, I just think Rebecca makes better decisions, doesn't take as many risks as Diamond did. So like when you swap those two players out for the ones that are on the, t- the team now, it's just, you're already seeing the difference, like you said, and you, Candace Parker is one of the most patient post defenders in the league, someone that ultra shots without making a lot of contact. So we've already seen that difference in Ezra Stevens as well. Someone that's very patient and is still able to play physically without fouling. So that's been a major part of this Sky team, but I want to talk about the mystics for a second, because the reason I posed that question to you about where the mystics are at compared to the sky yesterday, the offensive struggles were glaring to me on the mystics end they could not run a pick and roll for their lives and Ariel Atkins is someone who's really excelled with that that's some like she's someone that the coaching staff really trusts her as someone who's a pick and roll ball handler and Mm -hmm. she's done really well with it in the past and there's just a couple of instances last game where I'm like wow like she's not even looking for the roller like she's just going up and taking a contested mid-range shot when they start a two-person game and I wonder how much that is like that's attributed to Maisha Hines Allen really struggling this season. She looked really bad yesterday she, and I've watched a decent amount of the Mystics already and she's just hasn't played up to her standards at all this season. Like I just want to break down the numbers real fast. In 22 games in 2020, she averaged 17 points per game, 8.9 rebounds, was shooting over 50% from the field, over 30% from 3 on 2.8 attempts per game. Last season, she was hindered by a knee injury and COVID. So, you know, her numbers went down a little bit to 12.9 points per game, seven rebounds a game, 41% from the field, a 10% difference, and 31.7% from three, an 11% difference. Now, this year, she's averaging six points per game, 4.4 rebounds, and shooting 35% from the field. And Shakira Austin has taken over as the starting Um, They starting in that front court for them. So it's just kind of crazy how much people were talking about her, how now she's a, she's making $170,000 this year and then making pretty much the same number the next two years. It's like a $5,000 increase the next two years after that. And it just makes me wonder about if they made the right decision, drafting Shakira Austin, making that trade out of, out of um, that number one overall pick, just shipping that off and, I just think this team really needs offense right now. They're ninth in the league in points per game. And I'm like, they could really use someone like Ryan Howard right now as insurance to Elena <laughs> Deladon. Um, do you think it's too early to even be making that, having that discussion, even though I even hate bringing Shakira Austin, t- using Ryan Howard against her. Cause she's looked fantastic this season.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, Shakira Austin's looked really, really good. And I think the situation would be different even if Elena Deladon was playing uh, normal starters uh, minutes or just normal starters game time. Because there would still be uh, Elena, Natasha Cloud, who, you know, is not necessarily a go-to person, a go-to scoring option, but she's still going to get shots up. And Elizabeth Williams coming off the bench. Now, maybe if maybe they don't bring in elizabeth williams if maiisha Heinz allen doesn't have the knee injury isn't hindered in, in such a way but i think but she's not now being, well i she still got the brace on she still had the the like the wrap on her on her knee on the bench and so it's still, i think there's still some sort of recovery just time going on you know you don't even if you have the year where you're you're dealing with it in the offseason where you have time to rehab some it's still going to bother you Like I I, I had a knee injury in college and I still feel it, you know? so going through rehab, there's still something that I think might take some time to get back. But I think she'd be in a different situation in Washington where there's the veteran team and there's expected scoring punch to come rather than Atlanta, where they got her in, they have to kind of go in a new direction and they have this player where it's like, okay, we're going to give you the keys. Let's see how you drive the car. So, Like I said on Twitter, I love what Rui Rui Machida and Shakira Austin, the way that they played all season long. And and I stick by that. I I think it's too early to kind of compare the two, maybe as you get further down in the year, and to see how Shakira uh, and Ryan play with uh, the extended load of minutes coming out of college, uh, the grind of the WNBA in general, see how they really finish the season out, uh, maybe fighting for one of those last two, maybe three playoff spots, then we can look more about, you know, whether Washington should have traded that pick, whether they should have stuck, stuck with Ryan Howard and looked for her as opposed to Shakira Austin.
0: The only reason why I'm breaking up, too, is, like, you can absolutely factor in Elena Deladon into the equation, feel like, okay, how would Ryan fit in? Elena Deladon hasn't played in two years, essentially, and isn't traveling on away games as much right now. You know, she's someone that you can't depend on her to be healthy for an entire season. She's someone that in practice, Kareem Copeland was telling me about this, just how like she stands up and doesn't even sit down for practice anymore. Like when she does media, you know, it's like, it's better for her back to be standing up and be upright. Like this is something that she's going to be dealing with the rest of her career. So like, I just feel like Ryan Howard at least could fill in. She's more of a ceiling raiser in the way that Shakira Austin's more of a floor raiser. And maybe that's what is attractive Mm -hmm. to you. If you're, Drafting, you know, with that first overall pick and think that, you know, Shakira Austin, someone that can we can depend on and just be someone that like is just steady and can. I mean, again, she's looked great so far this season, but Ryan Howard, I just thought coming out of college was a can't miss prospect. And even though, again, the motor narrative about her like just not having that dog in her or whatever, like. I just think that if you just watch the SEC tournament for a few games, that you look at that player and see, like, you know what? I think this player is like competitive <laughs> enough where they can dominate, and we've already seen that this year. And she's obviously someone that needs, you know, like like you talked about, she she was given the keys to the offense immediately, and that can be very freeing, like we've seen with Erika Wale in her first few years with the wings then also mm-hmm. they can also make you undisciplined. like you can develop habits where you're just, you know, you want to be taking 18 shots a game and that can be, I don't think we see a lot of successful WNBA teams that are like, that have someone that's shooting 18 to 20 times a game necessarily, unless they're like Stewie, <laughs> you know? Um, But I don't know. I just felt like Ryan Howard would act, would have fit in so well here. And like you mentioned with, Elizabeth Williams, who has excelled. She's someone that, like, for $90,000, I mean, the production that she's brought to this team has just been incredible. She had five blocks the other day, I think. It was just like, (laughs) she's just someone that is such a presence down low. And if you have Myesha Heinz Allen, I'd rather have her work through her struggles in the starting lineup and have Ryan Howard as that Elena Deladon insurance than have Shakira Austin and then have any time Myesha Heinz Allen comes into a game she's just kind of looking over her shoulder on when Austin's going to be checking back in and taking up some of her minutes after she got that big contract. Like, you've already made a commitment to her. So I'd rather have Ryan Howard and have her be confident in, like, her role on this team than as opposed to where she's at now because it just doesn't look good this early on in the season, 12 games in.
1: Uh, Yeah. It's hard to argue against that. I, and I know I'm taking the kind of the body language posture, belies what I'm saying. But I, I think that you you have a good point. If you have the contract, the players should have those those minutes. And, you know, we don't know the inner workings of what Eric Thibault is thinking as opposed to Mike, um, what the coaching staff is trying to do. And I, I think they're trying to work around this problem of not having Elena at full strength and even not having Tina Charles anymore. So there's a changing identity with the Mystics. When they were successful, they had Elena, they had um, Christy Tolliver, Natasha Cloud, Ariel Powers, and Emma Mieseman, who were these players who gave you so many different things offensive, offensively and defensively that could not only frustrate teams, but kind of make them throw up their hands at a certain point and say, what am I going to do? And now you're trying to really feel out for that. So I think in that sense, you could have Ryan Howard and let Ryan Howard and let her develop uh, you know, would take the good with the bad and still have teams back on their heels of what to do. But I think they have a nucleus where they can make that work just with the way that you can have Shakira play with the starters and the second unit. And hopefully when Maisha gets her, her game going again, then you can rotate, rotate those two players in and out along with Elizabeth Williams and have a really, really good front court to go with Rui Machida and Natasha Cloud, putting the ball where they want to to get those players in positions to to succeed. I I, I do agree with you though. I, I think if you have a hundred seventy thousand dollar player, you should play them the minutes accordingly. But that that's not the way that the game works all the time.
0: Absolutely. And another thing that I thought about last game is like, how many games is Tiana Hawkins going to put up twenty one points and? Uh, I don't mean that as in terms of like trying to disrespect her, but like she's had two games before that Connecticut one where she only played three minutes. And I mean, I think this was a season high for her. I mean, I just think you're probably not going to be expecting Hawkins to put up another 21 point performance and you lost by nine. So I just think that when you look at that Mystics team, they didn't have Elena Deldon. So you can factor that in, obviously. She's someone that changes the. Complete complexion of the offense. It's just something that I'm thinking about, and I wish Shakira Austin the best because it's just so fun to watch her play, and even watching. I love it. Even college last year, I mean, she was just you. She would have these moments where like, oh my god, that skill right there is going to translate so well in the WNBA immediately, and I don't even think they've opened up everything for her yet. So. It's gonna be great. I, I don't even like to have the talks about when the trade happens, a trade a team trades down, and then we associate the two players forever. I think there's a couple of examples on the NBA side that are more glittering with that, just the way that the NBA fans talk about them. Um mm-hmm. that I really hope that we don't bring over to this. And this is just I mentioned that just because it's a recent example. So I'm not gonna be trying to push that, but it is something where I'm like. I was thinking yesterday, if they had a wing score right now, I do think that that would have helped them out so much. Someone that was like, could be an aggressor that can just open up the offense a little bit more for you when you already have some overlap in the front court. But um, Chris, what do you want to talk about next? We've got a couple things here on the docket. Um, you wanted to talk a little bit about Rebecca Gardner and how, she continues to be such an integral part of this team. I mean, what's been the most impressive part about her game that has stuck out to you?
1: Uh, two things. Uh, first of all, her ability to make difficult shots and just be that absolute safety valve uh, when the Sky need a shot late in the clock. I, we, we don't have the visual medium now, but Sky fans who have been to games have seen it. Even on TV, you can see it. But the way that she is able to get around defenders, just kind of get around defenders, turn the corner uh, without without a screen all the time, get into the restricted area and make tough shots. That we, we need to have, we need to have some sort of metric or, or counter or something, just like a Rebecca Garner ridiculous shot counter. Uh-huh. Um, Chicago Sky, you know, get start doing that on. On Twitter, on Instagram, Rebecca Gardner's most ridiculous shots of the season. Because it seems like she makes one every single game. Just every something game. that's an off an offhand layup. Um, I think she got past the defender, had had a defender on her right side and was coming down the lane and made a layup from the right side with English with her her left hand. I think I know I what, what you're this. talking about. I, uh, and I turned to uh, Brian next to me. I got to get his last name. But we both were just like the, the ability to make that shot with the offhand, with the left hand on that side of the basket. We're both like, yeah, that's crazy. And then defensively, we saw it in the fourth quarter. And there's something to that because Washington was still playing the rotational players on sideline out-of-bounds plays. She sold the ball, I think, in consecutive or just – one possession, then one possession off, and then had another steal and full court fast break. I remember reading in the Jordan Rules, Sam Smith talking about the 70s Bulls and Norm Van Leer. And literally, he said that Norm Van Leer was able to break up possessions just by outrunning the pass. And Rebecca Gardner can do that. She just, whether it's in half court play or sideline out of bounds plays, there's a couple times where she will be playing a little bit off of her defender and the pass will go from the top of the key to the wing, she just outruns the ball and knocks it away and is on the break. That's something that we really haven't seen from this guy outside of Diamond in her, in her best years. That's to have a player coming into camp from the, from the financial side that's commanding a low-money deal, and from the basketball side of things that can run with your second unit that's so annoying for, for opponents to deal with because you don't get a break. You don't get any time off. I want to give a shout out to Mark Schindler
0: because he's someone that's been pointing out Rebecca's success as well. And he's, if you don't follow him, please do so. He's one got such a wholesome Twitter account. And he's also just someone who's just really brilliant when it comes to analyzing basketball. And he said, even though Rebecca is a bench player that he would consider her as a all WNBA, all uh, defensive team for the WNBA. And I thought that was interesting because I don't think it's that outlandish of a statement to say, just given what she's brought to this team. She's someone that really gave Kelsey Plum a lot of trouble and someone that can just get in your head defensively. And she uses her speed and quickness in a way that I just can't imagine this team without her. It would be, just think about where this team was at after crystal bradford went down and how limited the wing market was at least on the w- like within the wnba not even factoring in europe this was just the best case scenario for the sky to pick up someone like this and she's just so quick i mean those last two defensive plays at the end of the game it felt like i didn't think the sky were going to lose that game but <laughs> you see that that lead go to single digits i'm like oh shit like did they do they need to Take out the starters with three minutes left, and you know they. Uh, Rebecca was able to steal that game for like for the sky. So if you get that out of a bench player, she's just someone that could potentially win you a game in the playoffs. And we saw that with Diamond last year with again like, like against the Links. Like I can see Rebecca having a similar game like that where she's just able to impact the game on both ends and put you over the hump. I guess in a major playoff battle. So. I think that's going to be really interesting too when we see her in the playoffs and how much the sky end up utilizing her because she's been fantastic every time she's been on the floor for the sky. So um,
1: this is yeah. what you this is what you look for um, in players like that uh, because we we talked about you know and and uh, Annie Annie Costables talked about it too with the sky kind of turning from an offensive identity type team to a more defensive oriented identity yeah. type team. And just look at the steal percentage. I mean, Emma had that game yesterday, and we're still early in the season, but she's now fourth in steal percentage in the league. And Rebecca Gardner's eighth. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the shape, Hedy is, is playing uh, second unit minutes. Kennedy Burke is playing kind of more second unit minutes, and they're third, uh, seventh, and third, respectively. But to have those two players, two players on the same team in the top 10, uh, means that. Teams are gonna to have to watch their passes, watch their passing lanes. It's gonna throw off their sets, their pick and roll opportunities, like you said. Um, things that they're trying to do, just bread and butter type plays. And against uh, Las Vegas, when they do meet up again, um, they're gonna to have to think about how to, how to work around that. They're gonna to have to think about how are we trying to get into our sets? What are we trying to run? Because they have the added threat of just having those plays disrupted. If we If the sky don't get a steal, They're going to have to reset in a lower shot clock. So you're right. I I hadn't thought about it as much as you had when they lost Crystal Bradford, but that was a that was a tipping point where they're really going to have to figure out what to do because I don't know if the Julie Allen deal had gone through yet, and they were still waiting for Ka to get back from Europe. They were still trying to figure out exactly what to do, and all we were talking about is who's going to come out, who's going to come and play behind Ka, and now they have their answer and. That, I think, has been the one thing that's been seamless. Rebecca Gardner coming in and playing solid minutes. She's
0: closed games for them. You found someone with just over 60K to close games for you at times. I mean, (laughs) Jesus, that's something that not a lot of GMs would be able to do. And already at this point, I'm like, I would just give James Wade executive of the year. Without a doubt. It's just that that race is over in my mind right now. Absolutely, man. Look how well Emma Miesemann has played. We've seen, and then they're about to get Julie Allman, who is a starter in this league, but is going to be playing backup. We just talked about Rebecca Gardner. I mean, when you get three major pieces like that, and uh, if you look at everybody else's offseason, look at what the Sky did, especially the stakes of potentially losing your entire core, you know, with Ali Quigley could have retired. Courtney Vanderslute could have taken the season off. Kalia Copper signed a two-year deal with the sky. So that means you, you retained her for another year. It's just I think the, the case for him versus some of these other teams right now. I mean, I I just think that that it is just over for me in that award race. Um, I'll keep the door slightly open in case this guy completely okay. fall apart, but to All me right. like right now <laughs> I give him a 99.9% chance of winning that award. Um it's just the results speak for themselves. Um even this early on in the season, but Chris want to f- wrap up with this Garrett's Popcorn little yeah, segment here. Well, the I Sky announced it. today that they are partner they partnered with Garrett's Popcorn stand, and this is just great. This is such a Chicago deal that like I w- I love when teams get I know that like Garrett's is something that is like kind of blown up and everything, but I do love it when teams stay with their roots of like keeping it local, you know, with like, it's so ingrained in Chicago culture, waiting on that Malort uh, sponsorship to come through at some point. Um, Please don't do that Chicago sky. Chris. (laughs) So we're going to do this instead of the Kalia copper segment where we take one of her tweets and see if we agree or disagree with it. So Chris, what is one partner that you'd want to see this guy team
1: up with for a sponsorship? Oh, like a Chicago institution. Uh, you know, what, I want to, cause I have had uh, beef. If there's anything I've had a uh, problem with this year at Wintrust, it's the, the lack of, of available concessions and just the, the delay around there. So I think that they should partner with express grill and get an express grill in, in Wintrust arena. just because I it would be just as busy we all know what Express Grill and Jim's original would look like on a night uh, just alongside uh, Roosevelt Road. But need extra concessions. Get an extra concession stand in there. Just say we're the official partner of Express Grill. Or do like everybody else with the official partner of, of um, Vienna Vienna Hot Dogs and get another stand in there. Because the concessions have so much trouble. Outside of that, I'm going to go back back deep in the archives my South Side lineage and heritage if they were still around Molanoke would have been a fantastic partner for the Chicago Sky to have. If, you knew, if you're from the South Side, you remember the jingle and just think of the Chicago sky sponsored by Molanoic, that would have been fire. Beat. That would have been absolutely fire. Sing it. Oh, I'm not singing that right no. now you're not gonna do. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. You got you that was good. That was close but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> That's a journalist in me. Um,
0: <laughs> if I had to go with the sponsorship, it's easily Pequod's Pizza. I have been oh. going there since I was five years old. My family has been uh, a huge supporter of Pequod's. And even though it's run by a Yankees fan, I really do enjoy Pequod's Pizza. It takes a long time for it to be like, if you were to order, like have it for delivery, I think it takes like two hours. So I always go there in person to eat their delicious pizza nothing beats their sauce their crust i'm talking this is high-end deep dish i'm sorry lou malnati's and Giordano's, but you don't compare to pequod's pizza love the atmosphere in there let's bring some love to pequod's chicago sky let's have a, a pequod sponsorship because it's the best pizza in chicago that is a maggie hendrix approved statement she also believes it's the best pizza place in chicago Happy birthday! Happy birthday to her, by the way. Um, Happy birthday, Maggie! Yeah, we love Maggie on this podcast. We should have her on soon, but yeah, I really think that pequods could be great. But you're shaking your head over here.
1: You what? What do you? Yeah, I think pequods is mad overrated. I just keep I hear people talk about it, and I went there a couple years back because I hadn't gone yet. I hadn't been able to go yet, and I wanted to see what the hype was about. And I had it. It was it was super regular. It was regular. Regular pizza to me. And I've had... What, did you put chips on it? (laughs) The salt. Listen to salty dude right here, man. (laughs) It was good pizza. Was it the best? Was it worth lining up on Clyburn Avenue for? Not to me. I would go to Phil's on 35th without a second thought and get that pizza. And Janice knows it's true. My guy Alberto knows it's true. Everybody in Bridgeport. Chicago. Chicago, look at me right now. If if you're not from Chicago or if you're from Chicago and you come to the city and people are like, go to Peaclots, go to the place with the whale on the sign?" be like, nah, I'm going to Phil's, Phil's 35th and Aberdeen. Get yourself right. That's the best pizza in Chicago, right there. And we can fight about it if you want. You took it a step too
0: far talking about the whale, Chris. (laughs)
1: The whale is sacred to me.
0: Oh my god! Honestly, I like that whale tattooed on me. That's how much Pequods means to me and my family. Get out of here! Oh my god! Those are some fighting words, Chris. Those are some fighting words. Um. Wow. Okay. Well, another disagreement between me and Chris at the end of the podcast. Love that. Um, Go to Pequods. It's. I mean, this I, I just hate fills now for no reason. Never had it before. Now I'm just going to hate on it because you hate it on Pequod's because that's how uh, dramatic I am. Um, Chris, any last thoughts before we wrap up the
1: pod? <laughs> um, yeah, we got to talk about the sky breaking their curse. They won in the Rebel jerseys yesterday. <laughs> they won in the glass ceiling <laughs> joints. Uh, I mentioned that on Twitter, and I, I noticed it when I got in, I was like, Sabria, Sabria Whitaker, we're going to test the theory, and they got it done so we can stop the discourse about the sky having a jersey curse uh it's no longer like, it's like the sky and the white socks have dispelled their their jersey curses with the with the rebel jerseys and the south side jerseys so we are we're, we're past that we're completely past that now
0: good call i hadn't i totally forgot about that so good on the sky for breaking the curse reverse the curse and uh yeah well Chris, great talking with you. Um, and thank you all for listening to this edition of the Skyhook podcast. If you want to support us, please do so by Venmoing us at, at the Skyhook podcast. And if you want, I mean, it would also be great if you could rate and review the show and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out as we try to find sponsorships for the show. We're We're back every week, so we're going to be churning these out and hopefully we'll be able to find some partners for us maybe not be quads but um <laughs> but if you want to contact us you can always do so by emailing our mailbag which is the skyhookmailbag at gmail.com one more time that is the skyhookmailbag at gmail.com and if you want to find us on social media go to the episode description and you can find that lovely information there chris so glad we got a chance to do this and uh until always. next time man